Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to Combine Week. I'm Russell DeWitt. Right next to me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we're coming to you live from the Indiana Convention Center across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium for the first of our four days here this week. Nick, I know it doesn't look like we're at the Combine, but I know we're here. We're in some makeshift area. We actually have a cup holding up this webcam, uh, but we're making things work. And I know you also had some crazy travels last night. Are you hanging in there, and are you staying awake? Yeah, I probably had about maybe three hours of sleep. I was in a, I guess, a sketchy area where my Airbnb was at. The Airbnb was nice itself, but I think like around three hours of sleep. So, But I think just being here has just livened the things up. We obviously have a lot to talk about, but, yeah, this is obviously not the best uh, – environment here we look like we were in some kind of basement i was saying earlier but it works we're at the combine and we're about to give you our takeaways from it exactly so for those watching here on youtube do apologize if the lighting is not great uh it's just it is what it is we're in a hallway right around from the media room uh so just deal with it for maybe just this week maybe we can find a better system tomorrow kind of like we did at training camp every day i thought our video content at least got a little bit better nick a little bit so we'll try the same here and for those listening to the podcast just imagine that we're in the hustle and bustle of the media room and all will be in pretty good shape but all right so i'm glad to be here and i'm glad that we're able to take part in our first event as credential media here at the 2020 nfl combine today we're going to be able to speak with uh well we were able to speak with three position groups tight end wide receiver and quarterback and of course we were available for ryan pace and matt Nagy's press conference as well Nick, you ready to dive in into our first day in Indianapolis? Absolutely. Let's do it. Sharing a microphone is always weird, but we're making it work as well. So let's go ahead and begin with Ryan Pace. Nick, you had the honor of making the trip across the street for that one. Was it worth the walk? Let me tell you, Will, that walk was insane. It is like you don't realize how big this place is until you make the walk to go you know, find Ryan Pace to listen to him talk. But to be completely honest, nothing that he said 
was something that was new. And I think when you think about it, what were you kind of expecting? Just like the end of the year press conference, you weren't mm-hmm. expecting Ryan Pace to write out Mitch Trubisky or saying that there's open competition. But when I kind of just reassess what he was kind of talking about, I think some of the bigger takeaways, if, if any, were um, one about Cordero Patterson, maybe the idea of being open up to maybe play more of the running back position. Now, obviously, Cordero Patterson didn't play enough on offense, but – uh, Ryan Pace seemed adamant that they can find ways to get Cordell Patterson the football, and at that would be at the running back position. So that was one thing that I thought was kind of interesting. He also said, and I remember when you looked at my notes, well, when we were in the media room, that linebacker, inside linebackers, are strength for this team. And currently, I, when you look at it, obviously you don't know the future of Nick Kwiatkowski. You don't know what Dan Trevathan, if he's going to be on this team next year. So to say it's a strength, maybe, you know, when you have full, healthy you know, linebacking room it is, but at the present time, I thought that was an interesting comment from Ryan Pace. Yeah, I mean, again, with these types of press conferences, you have to kind of read between the lines, and if he's saying that, you know, inside linebacker is a strength, and you told me he was gushing about Nick Kukowski. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's a good sign that the Bears are hopeful that he comes back. You mentioned Andrew Bathan. We still don't know the future of a Kevin Pierre-Lewis as well. But if he's calling it a strength, I think he has some confidence that they're going to be able to retain some of these guys because if not, you have just Roquan Smith with his torn pec, and that doesn't really exude a ton of depth really at the position right now. And speaking of you know talking about the future of this team, you mentioned Mitch Trubisky. And they said that they're committed to him. But when asked about that fifth-year option, they said they haven't got there yet. And if I remember correctly, Nick, wasn't it about a year ago or maybe last offseason or on training camp, they were mentioning they were talking to him about a possible extension. And now they're saying that they haven't even gotten to a point of even you know, uh, agreeing to his fifth-year option. Is What do you take from that? Yeah, that was interesting. And actually, Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune asked Ryan Pace, does it seem, how does it look that, you know, you're not fully committing right now to the fifth-year option? And what Ryan Pace kept on reiterating is that there's a timeline. We still have time to make that decision, but the fact that they're not fully committed to doing it now, what does that say about their confidence in Mitch Trubisky? So it is different because you look at how they, like, um, handled Leonard Floyd's situation. They were pretty um, adamant what they wanted to do there. And Trubisky, it's still up in the air. Lots lots of questions were being asked about potentially bringing in competition. What does that look like? And Ryan Pace, his, his go-to kind of way to avoid answering the question is to say, well, we're trying to bring competition at all the positions. So it's kind of, obviously it's not answering the question and it's just giving you it's really not giving you anything because you can say that about every single position, and that's exactly what Ryan Pace did. Do you have anything else from Ryan Pace's time there? I mean, it was like a 25-minute interview, but it does feel like there's a lot of fluff based off of some of our informal conversations over lunch. Yeah, the the only other thing, um, he, he was asked about the running backs. Uh, a reporter asked Ryan Pace what would be an ideal running back to bring in you know, via the draft, via free agency, and Ryan Pace said, well, we like the running backs that we have now mentioned obviously Tariq Cohen being the scat back David Montgomery being uh, you know an every down back and then he also said he really likes Ryan Nall <laughs> and I know I know fans have been wanting Ryan Nall to get his opportunity but again I don't know if that's just Ryan Pace being Ryan Pace not he's answering the question but how much do you actually believe that you don't think there may add playmakers at a position that really didn't perform well last year and to say that you really like Ryan Nall of all people come on yeah, you know, exactly. And that's one of the questions that, you know, I did have jotted down for either Nagger Pace, again, with 
how today went. We weren't able to get in, you know, any questions to those two today. But, I mean, one of them for, that I had was you lost Kareth White. Obviously, Mike Davidson to pan out. You looked at addressing this position last year. I just believe they have to at least try again. And if you're saying Ryan Nall is a really good, you know, third running back on this roster, then – and you also mentioned that you want to create competition at every position. I don't think you're doing the best job there if that's how you kind of go about it. But we'll see if it's just combine talk, and we'll see how that kind of changes. I think it was this time last year they were talking up Jordan Howard still. Yeah, so, I mean, it's. I think at this point in time it's – there, there's a lot of things that will be said, but once you see, once the final cuts come, you'll be like, oh, Ryan Pace said he was going to make the, you know, whatever it may be. So it, it's a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's coach talk or if it's just meaningless talk, to be completely honest. Uh, but yeah, we're here and letting you know what Pace had to say. Nothing else? That was, I mean, those were the big takeaways. I was looking at my notes. The only other thing that I thought was, I guess, worthy. Um, a reporter asked him about Trey Roberson and kind of what his value is to the team. And Ryan Pace said he wasn't comparing, but he kind of was, to how Kyle Fuller plays, just how he approaches a position and just his mentality at the cornerback position. So that those were, out of that 20-minute-plus press conference, those were the biggest takeaways from what Ryan Pace had to say. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Matt Nagy because, you know, unlike Pace, Nagy did meet here with everyone else, all the other coaches and GMs in the main media room. So we're both able to attend that press conference. And I want to begin with the new coaching staff because, A, that's what Nagy started this press conference with. Uh, before we even got to questions, he wanted to kind of update us on some of these hires and what they mean to him and the you know overall progression of this team. And he started off saying, you know, there's a saying that says you can have too many cooks in the kitchen. He doesn't believe that's the case here in Hallis Hall. He really is still big on collaborating. He's currently doing a lot of listening, some of, some of these new guys. So, of course, they're auditing this offense. They're taking a look at what worked, what didn't last year, and giving advice on how they can all work together to make this offense better moving forward. And then on top of that, when he was talking about his new hires like uh, Juan Castillo, you know, John DeFilippo, a uh, couple big themes that stood out to me is, one, he wants aggressive coaches. And he wants coaches that are great teachers and motivate guys and push his guys to be, you know, not just in practice, but just overall to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. I know that he said on Castillo that he pushes his players like no other. Uh, he experienced it first time before, and it was kind of a welcome attitude and mentality to bring back to Chicago on his staff. And then on Flip, uh, he mentioned that Flip's really big on drill work and hammering away the fundamentals. I think we don't care who's quarterback next season. Uh, well, I'll take that back. We do care who's quarterback, but no matter who's quarterback, we all can agree that hammering the fundamentals is going to help whoever that may be uh, best succeed moving forward. And the important part about Flip that I kind of caught on what Nagy was saying is what Flip does really well is teaching quarterbacks how to see a field. And we all know that's one of Mitch's biggest areas uh, that he needs to kind of improve upon. One of his biggest opportunities right now, but he Nagy called Flip, and I quote, an expert at that. So when you have a guy who's in this quarterback room who's an expert at seeing the field and teaching quarterbacks how to see a field, I get excited about that. Again, either for Trubisky or not for Trubisky, I think it's a really great attribute to have in that quarterback's room. And again, just like Castillo, he said on Flip that he's an aggressive teacher, which again kind of goes back to that theme. What about you? What did you take from Matt Nagy when it came to these new offensive coaching staff hires? Yeah, so going back to that, um, how Matt Nagy kind of approaches uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, right? 
it's because each one of these coach kind of brings its own like mentality to to an offense. Going to John D. Filippo, having that aggressive nature, he likes how he can bring that out and maybe challenge. You can see that envisioning challenging Trubisky, just having that aggressive mindset. So I think that's why he's comfortable with having guys that have been, you know, uh, you know, uh, offensive coordinators, just at different areas in their career, but bringing them all together can create maybe what would be a good perspective for Matt Nagy on seeing, you know, an offensive philosophy or things like that. So I think those are big takeaways. Um, when asked about, like, Mitch Trubisky, obviously at the end of the year press conference, and we're getting some great – what is that, just – I don't even – I think they're just metal poles. So, okay, it looks like it's dimming down now. Um, when Matt Nagy was asked about Mitch Trubisky specifically and how he can – maybe improve upon reading coverages because that was a big thing at the end of their press conference Matt Nagy went back to his usual sorry about that usual you just he has to be obsessed he has to know reading coverages better than he does so in what I thought was kind of interesting is like with Mitch that's what he struggles with the most and I just don't know how you can expect him over the course of the offseason and obviously he'll learn throughout the 2020 seasons that to him to be an expert you definitely need Matt Nagy to guide you there and to be able to maybe have him see the field maybe a little bit differently because he's not seeing it right now like how he should be. Right. So that's a big thing there. But, yeah, Matt Nagy, um, just like Ryan Pace as well, they're adamant that you know, Mitch Trubisky is a quarterback for 2020. Even though there may be competition brought in, he's how they said it, he's going to be the guy. I mean, we have one quarterback that has confirmed he has met with the Bears. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But while we're talking about Matt Nagy, uh, something that I took away early on is that he's still open to, or I think he's changing his mentality a little bit where he's open to delegating more items. And they're still kind of working out, or at least he want to commit to who's owning what in terms of who's going to be the running game coordinator. Uh, he mentioned everyone has their strength. He said uh, Juan Castillo, of course, that's his uh, expertise. So you had to envision he's going to pitch in a lot, but I don't think he's giving any defined roles just yet. And Matt Nagy mentioned he wants to be and put himself in a position to be the best head coach possible for this Bears team. He mentioned he still wants to keep play calling, yep. but outside of that, he's open to delegating, uh, outsourcing some of these other tasks. Uh, that way it's not all on him and he can focus on a broader sense of just this team. Uh, anything you wanted to mention? Are you okay with him uh, continuing running the plays? Because he said you know, he learned a lot, even though there wasn't a ton of success last year, he thought he learned a lot about himself as a play caller and how to maybe you know use that failure uh, to learn from it and create some success here in 2020. Yeah, so um, just some thoughts about that. I think with Matt Nagy, you also kind of mentioned that in a sense, less could be more because obviously with this playbook, they still need to assess what exactly works and what doesn't work. So he was open, like you were saying, Will, that maybe they need to kind of go back and try to, try to refine some things as opposed to maybe going on to the next step in whatever the scheme may be. And another thing, and obviously we, we saw this from the play last season, they're still searching for that identity. That's a big thing with this Bears offense. There is really no identity yet, and you're hoping that maybe with Matt Nagy's I guess, change in philosophy where he's open to, you know, just kind of delegating, like you said, Will, maybe that helps find an identity for the Bears office because it's really lacking it. Right. And he said in previous years, he was a little bit more patient with finding an identity. He's like, yeah, it can take five, six weeks to do it. He said there's some urgency to do it this year before then. He wants to find it, you know, before the season begins or early on in the season. I think he's starting to understand, like, you know, sometimes you hope it just happens, but maybe it won't. And you don't need to force an identity upon a team, but they need to, like, really – 
you know, dig in deep into themselves to find out what this identity is sooner because it just seems like over the past two seasons, it's just kind of slow going on offense, and they need to kind of find a way to expedite that process a little bit. But you said it. Uh, obviously, he's looking into uh, finding ways to get his offense improved. I know right now he said his mindset is all about – finding solutions because obviously there were a lot of problems on his offense a year ago, but after some time to kind of step back and, you know, get away and kind of reset, refocus, uh, what I enjoyed about Matt Nagy today, he did have a sense of rejuvenation. He said that he was re-energized uh, and it's kind of excited to find some of these answers. So solutions, problem solving is the current mindset right now for this Bears offensive coaching staff. Uh, you mentioned Mitch. And you said that, you know, Matt Nagy wants Mitch to know more than even Matt does in terms of pre-snap reads. That worries me because I don't know if Mitch can ever get to that degree. And I'm going to ask you a question. And if you don't feel like I felt, that's okay. But did you feel a sense of some frustration that Matt Nagy had about Trubisky's lack of development last year? But he said it in a positive way, just thinking of some of his answers, like, oh, you know, Mitch isn't there. Mitch needs to learn not to dwell. He needs to focus more on the process and not the results. So it sounds like there were some mindset issues with the quarterback that Matt Nagy wasn't directly a fan of, even though he wouldn't use those words, but just trying to find some coaching opportunities for Mitch in terms of how he's approaching you know, some of these situations, some of these failures. Mm-hmm. And it just, to me, seemed like he was a little either frustrated or maybe just a little disappointed in Mitch, which is something I haven't really seen out of Matt, uh, at least from watching press conferences at home. Yeah, um, I would just say to that, um, it does seem like he knows exactly. It seems like it's a little calculated how they want to go about answering those kind of questions. So even though it may come across as, yeah, obviously that's what um, Mitch needs to do. I wonder if inside, even though Matt Nagy say he feels rejuvenated, you got to get at some point, like we're asking the same questions about the quarterback that's supposed to take these jumps. He isn't. Is it now just falling on me that I have to take the blame for this? Because he's never going to call. He's never going to openly, you know, just talk bad about Mitch Trubisky. That's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, I would think at some point, yeah, Matt Nagy's just going to show that frustration. But we'll see what ends up happening. Just when he's saying things like, you know, I gave Mitch the direction that I need him to take this offseason, and it's up to him to kind of follow through with it. And then he followed that up with, you know, I want people on this team who are obsessed with film. And who, and he mentioned, and I have here in my notes, that, you know, Mitch isn't there yet in terms of getting to that point. So you have to wonder if those are, like, are just some vocal cues saying, you know, Mitch needs to put some of this on himself. Like, I'm doing what I can to help him. And right now they can't have direct contact with mm-hmm. one another, just do with the NFL rules. But he's like, you know, I gave Mitch, you know, every tool in my toolbox so he can get back to OTAs, uh, at least with his mindset, correct. Yeah. And it's up to Mitch to kind of follow through on that plan. You know what? Um, you just reminded me, Will, because in that press conference, Matt Nagy did say there were a few people that he talked to at those end-of-the-year press conferences mm-hmm. that they need to have – a chip on their shoulder coming into this season. So whether or not that was Mitch, I mean, I think just based off of how everything went, it should be that some of these players need to obviously play better because they're obviously underperforming right now. But he did say that he did meet with some players, and that is like the mindset going into 2020. And I hope that works, and I hope that him even calling it out a little bit in the media does. For those that know, for the players that know who you are, if they're even listening to our podcast, doubt they are. But hopefully that does help them kind of, you know, kick their rear into gear a little bit. That's a good PG way to say it here on this podcast at the Indiana Convention Center. But I remember last year from the press conference here at the Combine that, you know, we had a 12-4 and season, and now it's my job to make sure that no complacency sets in. And I think some had. So now he's trying to find a way to combat it. Mm-hmm. And by him doing that and letting the media know that, I do have a couple players that were playing, I think he used the word, too content. 
which wasn't complacent, but I think if I can read between the lines, that's what he meant. Getting a little bit too, uh, you know, satisfied with a little bit of uh, mediocre play, uh, not playing to always be better and not living up to their expectation. Yeah, I, I hope that that does help because obviously you, he wants to build a culture here in Chicago uh, that is one of always getting better and always improving. And that's why they always go back to the whole we need to add depth at all these positions because we want competition because when there's no competition, guys get a little bit too comfortable yeah. and complacent and content, all these C words. Uh, anything else about Matt Nagy's press conference? I think we hit on a lot. I know he mentioned uh, the new tight end. I think it was like the one sentence at the very end. Like, yeah, he knows the playbook. Uh, he knows the terminology. Uh, we're excited. He's excited. And yeah. can't take anything away from that. But anything else on Matt Nagy? No, I think that those are the big takeaways there in terms of what Matt Nagy wanted to convey this end of the year press conference. But like you said in the beginning, he started about talking with the new coaching hires and Obviously, the Mitch Trubisky questions, but I think those are the really big takeaways from his conference there. Hopefully we get some more Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's press conferences that you and I can attend here in the future. It was really cool getting to do it, uh, honestly, just saying as as a lifelong fan of this team, never thought I would have an opportunity to sit here at the NFL Combine at a podium four feet away from the Bears head coach, you know, getting opportunity to hear other reporters. And speaking of the other reporters, I mean, they've all been great to us, you know, mm-hmm. uh, both Adam Johns, Adam Hogue, uh, Patrick Finley, uh, JJ, Zach Pearson, uh, Kevin Fishbane. They've all been so great in just talking to us, and it's actually fun to watch and learn from them mm-hmm. uh, from a first hand, seeing how they're conducting themselves in these interviews. And it's interesting to see, like, how many even these big guys in the beat maybe get in one question, maybe they don't even get in a question. It's, it's tough sledding out here. It's competitive, and it's, um, you know, obviously with me being in, you know, graduate school for fraternal health, getting tangled in the wire there, Will, but uh, it's it's nice to see it right in person, live action here, kind of um, assessing, you know, how to be, honestly, a journalist. All right, so let's go ahead and let's move on to some of the players that were available today. Obviously, with the two of us, we couldn't get around to just all of them. Uh, so let's just kind of focus on what we're able to kind of catch and what kind of stood out to us. And we don't need to go position-specific here. We can just talk about some players. And since I have the microphone and we're handing it back and forth, I'll go ahead and begin. Uh, so for me, up on my list here, I see Adam Trotman, uh, the tight end out of Dayton. Nick, I don't know. I know a lot of people are kind of soured on a small school tight end. Uh, I understand. Adam Shaheen, uh, that sours me as well. But I'll tell you, something about Trotman, uh, just his vibe, I really liked it. Like, he's oozing with confidence, but he also has that right amount of, like, humility to kind of balance it as well. And he said he kind of thought he proved himself at the Senior Bowl, which I think we can agree he really stood out there. And he proved that he can play against some of the guys from the bigger schools and that he has the talent to compete at a higher level. He mentioned that uh, he does have some motivation because he remembers when he was in high school, he wasn't heavily recruited. He sent out a bunch of different emails and rarely hooked back. And, of course, it was Dayton that kind of gave him the opportunity uh, as well. And he, speaking of Dayton, he just wanted to mention, and I thought it was worth mentioning here, that he thought that that school and the overall conference has more talent than maybe some of the outsiders think. And he's just an example of what the talent could be and hope that more guys can follow his steps in towards of reaching the NFL, which has always been a life goal of his. Um, but speaking of Troutman, something that I never knew about him, that he is a former quarterback. And he said that he uses that experience to uh, not just in game preparation to learn about defensive tendencies, but while he's up there at the line of scrimmage, he can look at a defense, he can diagnose what kind of play they're running, what kind of coverage they're in, and that kind of helps him succeed, at least at his time in Dayton, because that ability to understand defenses help him out. So I think that's a really neat little tidbit that I learned from him today. 
And on top of that, uh, he just kind of prides himself on his hard work ethic. He's willing to do whatever he can to help a team win. He said he doesn't care if he lines up in line with his hands in the dirt on 90% of the you know plays and only 10% of the plays if he's split out wide, you know, running you know routes, running patterns. He'll do whatever it takes to win. Uh, but Adam Troutman, someone who I'm excited to see what he can do here mm-hmm. on the on-field drills later on in the week, but just the time that I was able to spend at his podium. There's just something about I don't know if it's like his smile and that personality. Uh, he just seems like a pro. And I think he's someone that is going to be able to succeed here in this league. I think we're starting to see he has the talent. Um, but as a Bears fan, I also understand why a small school prospect at this position uh, is something to be a little wearisome of. But I just don't feel like Troutman is going to be a Shaheen. I really think he's going to be someone that can translate into this next level into the NFL. How about you? Do you want to? You can start with anyone that you want, Nick. Wide on open. Yeah, uh, just uh, one more thing on Troutman there. I mean, he just looks like a tight end. You know, you could see like a stereotypical tight end. That's Troutman. Um, but just to kind of group the tight ends as a whole, just from listening to each of them speak, and that's Troutman, uh, Bryson Hopkins, and also Cole Komet. They all had one commonality with what they kind of wanted to prove, what they kind of wanted to work on. Um, and that's just their blocking, whether it's just staying low and having low pad level or just being in line. It's like that's something that each one of those guys wanted to work on. I got to talk to Bryson Hopkins again. And, again, after the Senior Bowl, I just asked him, well, what is it that you've been working on? And his dad actually used to play in the NFL offensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans for, I think, 12 years. So he's been working out with his dad, um, just working on the blocking aspect. And what better person to have than a you know your father, who was a former offensive lineman. So he's said he's been working on that. And then just a, a cool little tidbit, like Adam Troutman and Bryson Hopkins, they have a bromance there. They they were they were roommates in uh, Mobile. I asked Bryson Hopkins um, if they're roommates here. Unfortunately, no, they didn't. Bryson Hopkins forgot to put in the request. How could he? But yeah, they just had so much. They just had so much praise for each other and uh, their game, and they just want to see overall success. So I thought that was cool. Um, with Cole Komet, um, we were there when he basically, obviously from Notre Dame. He said it'd be really cool if he can play for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, being a team that he grew up watching. So I thought that was um, interesting as well. But yeah, the tight ends. I think when you look at that group and as a general. Uh, the Bears, uh, I think even Ryan Pace said this in his press conference, it's, it's, a good, it's a good class. And just being able to see the guys interact, those tight ends with the media, I would be comfortable, you know, honestly, with any one of those guys if the Bears were to go that route. Like the three you mentioned? Yeah, the three I mentioned. Cole Komet, Adam Troutman, Bryson Hopkins. If the Bears were to use one of those two second-round draft picks that they have on one of those guys, I'd be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, because Komet, he's from like uh, Lake Barrington, Illinois, and like he said, he thought he said it'd be very cool uh, if he can go back to play for the Bears. He said it'll always be fun playing in Chicago. I know he mentioned that he sees himself as a true Y tight end, someone who can you know line up in line, split out wide. Um, but I do have a quote from him that he says, "I'm comfortable in all phases." So he's someone that uh, wants to be a complete tight end in this league. I know he, he kind of wants to emulate his game after Travis Kelsey and Gronk, which is a pretty good combination if that's what he's kind of working for here, and like. He said uh, he just says work on blocking which was if you talk to any tight end that's the one area of focus so uh, don't be disappointed if the Bears draft a tight end and they're not the best blocker I think that's an area of improvement for any tight end here uh, in this class except for your guy right that you have I mean you were able to talk to him or listen in on that press conference yeah Thaddeus Moss uh, obviously he has nothing that he needs to work on no I just seriously I just walked by briefly 
Um, and the first thing I noticed was he reminded me of you because uh, he's a little bit short. Uh, and then secondly, uh, the first question I heard, uh, I don't know what reporter it was, but they asked Thaddeus, uh, you know, what do you need to work on, you know, to, the, to improve yourself, to get into this next level? And he replied with nothing. I uh, just needed to go out there to prove that I'm a football player. Uh, so you can really tell he's Randy's son. Oh, I, that, that confidence is there. But uh, he does, I did mention as I was walking away, something else I heard is that he wants to emulate George Kittle's nastiness out there on the field. I don't think uh, Thaddeus Moss, by any stretch of the means, should be in the Bears' radar in those early rounds. If he's still sitting there late, and maybe. Um, I mean, you never know, but that's someone where when he said he didn't have anything to work on, I was like, is that a good combine answer? Is that a good job interview like answer? Like, I can see it both ways. Yeah, I think it does show the confidence that he has, but I think inside he knows, like, okay, maybe I could probably work on this area of my game, but if he feels confident in himself, and I think that's also worthy. But you, you mentioned George Kittle. I know Bryson Hopkins at the Senior Bowl said he wants to emulate George Kittle. Um, Adam Troutman said he wants to emulate George Kittle. And then you see Thaddeus Moss, George Kittle. So that is just a popular guy, and for good reason. George yep. Kittle's a great tight end. But, yeah, just another common trait amongst, amongst these tight ends here. And that's why you go with Komet, because he wants to do a combination with Gronk and Kelsey. And then it's a little bit different. Here's a fun question for you. Since we're here at the Combine, obviously – you know, one or all three of these guys that we mentioned are top three as of it stands today. Uh, one of them can end up being like an all-pro down the road. And we're here today, their first ever, you know, interviews here at the Combine. Out of those three, give it five years, and we're back here. Which tight end are the tight ends in 2025 going to say they're going to emulate their game after? I think when you look at it, um, obviously Bryson, I think, is the most uh, athletically gifted in terms of the receiving game. I think when it all comes down to it, though, it might be Adam Troutman, Will. I think I just like his overall game. He's a crisp route runner for being six foot five. I think, 250. So he's, he's, he's a big dude, but he can run, just runs like a gazelle, just very smooth and methodical in how he approaches his routes. But I think when it comes down to it, and, and I like Cole Komet, um, but I think Adam Troutman's going to be the guy that the you know 2025 class for tight ends are going to talk about. Like I said, I don't know what it was about him. But when I was at that podium and I was listening to him, it's just that feeling you get when you listen to a guy. Like, you know, he has that it factor. Mm-hmm. And I really think that he is going to be able to be, like you said, a difference maker at the tight end position as someone that can kind of, you know, maybe even evolve that position as we continue down uh, this game. Before you go on, Will, uh, just one last thing. All three of these tight ends have met with the Bears either here or in Mobile, um, which would be Bryson Hopkins and Adam Troutman. They both met. Uh, with the Bears there, and then Kamez obviously met with the Bears here. So they the Bears are doing their homework, but we were joking that any anybody that the Bears actually meet with, they don't draft, and anybody they don't meet with, you know, that's who they'll get. So. You want to talk about a quarterback that the Bears did meet with? I do, yes. So a guy that um, uh, the Bears did meet with uh, is Jake Fromm from Georgia. And, yeah, just I was actually watching the QB1 Netflix series just to kind of get a better idea of who he is as a person. And I just like the, the competitiveness, the the personality that he has. Um, but just asking him, what did he kind of um, want to work on with his QB coach? Uh, and the big thing that he says that his QB coach trained him to be uncomfortable. And I think that's something that you know, if any quarterback is able to, you know, do that kind of mentality when they're training, that's probably the most realistic. Because as a quarterback, you're going to have to throw passes when you're off platform, when you're running outside the pocket, when a 300-pound guy is trying, running right at you, trying to take your head off. So I thought that was uh, an interesting answer from Jake Fromm. But he did say he met with the, with the Bears, and after I've just watched a little bit more tape on him, 
I like what he brings at the position. He said that here at the combine he wants to you know, kind of showcase what he can do with his arm because that's kind of the the knock on him. He doesn't have the biggest arm strength. He um, maybe he's not the most accurate. The ball will dip at times when he throws it, but now they have a couple new drills here at the come here at the combine. The, the fade route is something that he was pretty good at throwing at Georgia, so he's excited to do that. But yeah, um, I think Jake Fromm, maybe somebody the Bears should or maybe fans should maybe look into a little bit more. I was going to say the Bears are looking into him. Yeah. They are doing their homework here. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we both spent some time at the front podium, and I know one thing you mentioned is that he prides himself uh, with a very high football IQ. Uh, he said that he earned the trust from his coaches, that he can do almost anything at the line of scrimmage. He uh, said that he was able to do as much as any quarterback in college is really given to do, so that's really good to prove that he can handle some of that responsibility. Uh, he's mentioned that he has a longstanding relationship with like the whole entire Manning family, yeah. uh, Archie, Peyton, Eli. I mean, I mean, that's a pretty good networking group to kind of learn from as well. And, you know, he mentioned that he's a really good leader, uh, that he can influence others and he can adapt his leadership style, you know, to that person to kind of help get the most out of them. And when he's looking to emulate his game, he sees himself as a Drew Brees, which, you know, Drew Brees doesn't have the biggest of arms. Drew Brees is someone that's a, uh, a little bit shorter, doesn't have all the physical tools kind of like a from as well and you know I can kind of see that comparison or that self-comparison uh for something that he can kind of work toward um but you know with the smart IQ which is something Drew Brees is known for as well and something Fromm's really good to is reading defenses understanding coverages and making anticipation throws and I'm excited to see what he can do because I know he mentioned that he doesn't believe his arm strength is an issue he believes he can make any throw here that in the NFL and he did mention he has to always continue to improve his arm strength which is a good that he knows that and he's not saying oh it's perfect now and it'll always be great exactly not Moss uh whatsoever and then he did mention uh, that being in those bigger games, you know, throughout his collegiate career really did help him. And he believes that he can kind of, you know, step into any situation and have the confidence that he can thrive just due to that past experience. Mm-hmm. And then one funny mention uh, that he had was about his hand size because I guess it didn't measure up uh, to that uh, that nine inch mark. And he says, you know what? At the end of the day, these are still the same hands that won three SEC, SEC championships. Which he's not wrong. No. So <laughs> that's uh, I, again with. Having the hand size and not having it, it's look at what they're able to do on the field as opposed to maybe the physical attributes that these players have. But, yeah, Jake Fromm, he's a winner. That's the big thing. He's a winner. He knows how to lead um, his players, and you can, you can win with a guy like that. And, unfortunately, uh, I try to ask the question about how would he feel about reuniting with Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, uh, two former teammates, of course, here on the Chicago Bears. And I, I spoke up and he said no more questions. And apparently it's too good of a question to ask, but uh, who knows, maybe we can find a way to ask it uh, by some other stream. Because I would love to know what he says about both yeah. of those players. Because I'm sure he has strong ties and relationships with each. And obviously uh, we talked about this on the podcast, I think, last week, how cool it would be to maybe rekindle uh, that chemistry that obviously – Fromm did a good enough job to have both Ridley and Wims drafted, and so we'll see. Uh, moving on, I know Anthony Gordon, a quarterback out of Washington State, uh, I know that he, the coaches want him to work on his feet and his arm strength, but I know you stayed around that podium a little bit longer. Is there anything else that Gordon kind of mentioned that kind of caught your eye? I know he's someone that could be a late-round developmental kind of prospect for the Bears if they decide to go that route. 
Yeah, so just um, at Washington State and then playing under Mike Leach, he was able to get a lot of opportunities to just throw the football. I think over 500-something um, attempts uh, just last season. So Anthony Gordon obviously had the opportunities, the reps, but he also said that he attributes his ability to throw those off-platform kind of throws, which he's kind of known for, is because of his baseball background. He's uh, used to play shortstop, so it kind of just puts you in a natural kind of position to make awkward throws. So it makes sense why Anthony Gordon maybe at times just makes it look easy. But, yeah, that's a guy, again, he has a lot of opportunities, a lot of attempts, just passing the football and then just being in that air raid offense, you see how now that's translating into the NFL. You look at the Patrick Mahomes of the world and um, Minshew in Jacksonville. Like These are guys that have come from similar type systems and have had success, and that that's a big thing that Anthony Gordon always gets asked, whether it's at the Senior Bowl or here at the NFL Combine. It's just, well, you know, you came from you know a certain kind of system. How well does this translate? He's like, well, you've seen – Players have done have had success, and Mike Leach has prepared me enough to where he feels comfortable with it. But those are, I think, just the biggest takeaways after you, you left there, Will. All right. Well, I know you left to talk to Ryan Pace, and there's still other quarterbacks uh, kind of coming down the pipe. And I, well, I did not speak with Jordan Love, but I was listening to Jordan Love, uh, the quarterback out of Utah, and um, obviously he's someone that has a lot of raw talent, mm-hmm. and people are very excited about it, but they are a little wary of uh, his mentality in terms of how he sees a field and how he can process information and his overall football IQ. And I know he had a lot of turnovers last season and he kind of attributed those to kind of being too aggressive at times and needs to learn when he needs to check down. Uh, I know he's currently working like all quarterbacks on footwork, being more consistent. Um, And just like he's talked about with Gordon and those off schedule plays, uh, he also love does. He's known for those off schedule plays as well. And he says that uh, his kind of stemmed back from his days playing backyard football Uh, quote from him is you either have it or you don't. He believes he has it. He believes he's a true playmaker and can continue to be one at the next level. And speaking of confidence to that level, I did listen in on uh, Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from TCU and, Oh, my gosh. Super confidence. Uh, He said he's underrated, and that's fine by him. Uh, He said he's a big play waiting to happen. Uh, that He's coming to make an immediate impact no matter where he goes. Uh, He's not just a vertical guy, even though he's like crazy fast and can take the tops off of defenses. Uh, He can run any routes, and he's not just a slot guy. He can line up in and out. So he's someone that prides himself on being versatile. Uh, Obviously, he knows the speed. He knows what he can bring to an offense, and the confidence shows. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like an Anthony Miller type of mentality, but yeah, the reporter was asking him questions. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm a playmaker. And it was just like cool to see like that kind of attitude uh, from him, which is funny because with Thaddeus Moss, I kind of took it uh, differently. I guess it's all about how you say things. But is there anyone else that you want to mention? I think Jalen Rager, of course, if the Bears go wide receiver, they would have to do this in the second round, and that's if he falls. But speed like that, I think we both know the Bears need, uh, especially after Taylor Gabriel is no longer on this team. Uh, even before then, you and I said like they still need more speed on offense. So obviously Rager would be an interesting uh, prospect to kind of help bring that element to the table. Um, but is there anything else from any of the players that you were able to listen into today that you wanted to share? Um, not Nothing from none, uh, the players that we already mentioned. I think more so when we look at assess our first day here, we definitely got more, I guess, better material from the players than you know Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, because it just seems a little bit more calculated with them as opposed to these players who want people to know more about them. They want to know or get their personality out there. So it kind of just shows a team 
how they can fit with whatever culture they're bringing. So I thought that was, um, you know, great for us to get that opportunity to listen in on the guys that we're able to listen in on and then just kind of get to know them a little bit more. But, you know, I would say overall, Will, it's been a successful first day here, and it's still going. It sure is, and I know we have a big day tomorrow. Kickers and offensive line. Oh, God. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's all I got. That's all we got. We'll figure it out tomorrow. Uh, we'll figure out uh, which offensive lineman you need to know everything about. But anything else from day one that you wanted to kind of mention or reiterate? Any big key takeaways to end the show? Uh, key takeaways, I think if you, you look at like what Matt Nagy Ryan Pace said, the Cordero Patterson thing I think is something to monitor, and especially once we see how the season actually shapes out, if he does get those opportunities as a running back more than he did last season. Um, and then just I really liked, and I didn't think I'd like him as much because I already met him, Adam Troutman, just at the Senior Bowl, but just listening him speak, it's like there's something about him. Like you, like you were saying, there's just something about him. Exactly. I got nothing else to add to that. I don't need to say I was right or anything like that, even though maybe I just did. But no, Nick, day one, I think it was a you know it was a home run. It was a lot of fun for us to kind of get this experience, and I'm excited to see our growth throughout each day. You know, getting more confidence when you have the you know like New York media and the Chicago media all barreling around you, and you know getting up and speaking out and getting some of these questions. You did a great job, by the way, from the ones I was able to watch you watch and getting those questions out. So. I think that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you all who tuned in, either if you're watching on YouTube or, of course, if you're listening to the podcast back at home or in the car or at work. And you know, obviously where you are, it doesn't matter. And how you consume our show doesn't matter. Uh, we do appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Uh, we'll see what we can kind of squeeze out from kickers and offensive linemen. Uh, make sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts uh, as we are continuing to near our goal of 600 total reviews over there. But until next time, Bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 